Isaiah 43, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it is spring. Do not per- do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And what I love is that you can be in the hardest situation, and Jesus is a waymaker because that's who He says He is.
you are way maker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Lord, we just bow before you, recognizing that you are God and that we are not. So may our words be few in this moment, just in the stillness and the quietness. Thank you, Jesus, for pursuing us, loving us. We're 
just committing this time to you. We've sung to you. And now we just come before you, kneel before you in our hearts. Thank you for being our God. We love you, Jesus, in all things we pray. Amen. Church, good morning. Turn to the person next to you and tell them your favorite pie. Ready, go. Man, there's like four people in every service. There's like pumpkin. Come on, pumpkin people. All right, strawberry rhubarb. We got apple. Everybody likes stra- uh, apple. Yeah, fan favorite. I get you. Hey, guys, we're glad you're here. If you pass the friendship folders down the rows, we appreciate that. And we are just humbled. We're singing songs like that. It's just humbling. Jesus is king, and he is the priority in this place. Amen. Amen. Hey, so we're wrapping up. Operation Christmas Child. Chris is going to talk about a trip she went on because today's the last day to drop off your boxes. But Chris, she went on a trip, didn't you? Yeah. So around this time last year, I had a friend that was interning with Samaritan's Purse in Australia. And so I had the opportunity to go down and visit her. But one of the first days I was there, I got to go to their warehouse and they were in the midst of packing these boxes. So you'll see um, different pictures from the warehouse and they have a whole assembly, what they do, they have it down, um, and they make sure that every single box that comes in has five certain things that um, each kid can make sure that they know that they're loved, they're cared for, and most importantly, that Jesus loves them. And so these boxes are going out. They have big containers that fill up with like 10,000 boxes at once, and they had six or seven of those already by this time last year. Um, And so I just wanted to come and encourage you and show you that uh, this gave me more of a tangible experience where I saw where the next steps of where these boxes are going. Um, But they can't get to that step without your help. And so those boxes that you've been filling up and bringing in, and today's the last day, um, it makes a difference. And these kids across the world are receiving these boxes that have toys. And, yes, that's exciting. But the main purpose and the goal is that these children are hearing about Jesus and they're coming to know the Lord and they're growing up to one day share the news with their friends and other people as well. So what you're doing is making a difference. And the next step is it goes to this warehouse and then it gets distributed out all across the world um, to share the news of Jesus. I love that. So bring your box, give it to Deb and Roger and their team, and thank them because they've been doing it. Can we just thank God for Deb and Roger and the whole Operation Christmas Child team? They've been doing a phenomenal job. It really is humbling. You see that box pile, it's super high, and then it goes down, and then it all comes back on the other side of the lobby, and then gets sent off, and lives will be impacted. So we're humbled uh, to join in with it, you all in doing that. A couple things. This Wednesday is our Thanksgiving Eve service, 7 o'clock, testimony, song, communion. And uh, there's going to be nursery, or there's a child care uh, infant through three years old. And so this Wednesday night, 7 p.m., come celebrate and be thankful for all God has done um, on this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. It's, it's one of my favorite things. I love it's that. My favorite it's one of your favorites, yeah. Um, and so just come on Wednesday, and we're looking forward to that time with you all. 
And then, what's coming up on December? And then, December 6th and 7th, you'll be getting one of these as you leave here today, but it is the Christmas play. It's Welcome to Bethlehem, and um, it is, they're putting in some work. They're here all day yesterday, all day today, and throughout, all the way up to December 6th. Um, it's a really cool opportunity to invite those friends from work, your neighbors, um, anyone in the community that you may have been praying for. This is a great opportunity to get them through the doors and um, watch a play and then learn about Jesus and have some snacks, uh, dessert over in the gym afterwards. So I would encourage you. There's a table in the back that you can register your tickets with or online, um, but you should get them before they're gone because seats fill up quick. So go do that. Awesome. Thanks, Grace. Yep, and then I just want to share one more thing. So uh, so we've been talking about the birthday gift of Jesus, and this is such a humbling thing we get to be a part of here at Crossroads, to set a number and to know that 100% of what comes in goes out to support our missionaries, local, national, international. And John and Bianca Fowler um, and one of their teammates were here this week, and so I want you guys to check out this video of some missionaries that we support as we continue to, to just be a part of this mission of birthday gift of Jesus. Hello, Crossroads Ministries. Uh, my name is John Fowler. This is my wife, Bianca. This is our teammate, Jindy. We are missionaries in Panama, and uh, we just want to give you a real quick update on some of the latest things going on with us. A lot of important things, a lot of big things. Uh, recently, we stepped into position with Word of Life, and now we're leading the Word of Life team in Panama, and uh, you guys have always been an important part of our journey. Yeah, we just want to say thank you for everything you've done to be part of our ministry. We're super excited to be here, to be able to say hi real quick. And um, we encourage you guys um, to pray for us, please. We've got a lot of big things coming up. And also, we encourage you to come down and see us, be part of the ministry with us. Hey, and our camp season is coming soon in January and February. Please be praying for our staff and all the campers that we have for our camp season. Yeah, Word of Life is committed to sharing the gospel with children and teens. And uh, you guys have always had a commitment to Word of Life and to our team, and we're just thankful for that. We wanted to say thank you to you and, and just give you this update because exciting things are going on. And we're hoping and praying that the partnership only grows. So we just want to say thank you. We love you guys. And uh, happy Thanksgiving. And Merry Christmas a little bit early. Some of you are waving back at the screen. They saw you. Hey, isn't that exciting? This was John Fowler, John and Bianca. They, uh, they came to this church as teenagers, and I always said that John was least likely to become a missionary. And uh, furthermore, he was least likely to become an adult. I mean, he was, he was just crazy, you know, and that some of those high school years just kind of not connected. And uh, you know what we did? We, we decided we we're going to love John. John was one of our church families. His dad came here, taught Sunday school, and, and, uh, and we just said, we're going to keep loving John, keep loving John. And and one day, all of a sudden, John came to Christ. He was 17 years old. John ended up getting baptized. Bianca, he was his girlfriend at the time, now husband and wife. And uh, we're just so thankful. They have three wonderful children, three boys. God is doing great things in their life. And what a privilege it is for us. You know, we, we plant the seeds of the gospel here. And I always tell people we're planting acorns that grow into mighty oaks. And that's what God does. And so we, we, just, we just, you know, John, didn't, he wasn't a kid to come to youth group. But he was the kid that God got a hold of. And I want to encourage you that God does great things uh, in his time and, and, and the way he chooses to work. So we, get the, we have the privilege to, to pray over this list. I want to ask you to join us in praying. Uh, our goal is $90,000. So far, we've had roughly about $8,800 has come in. Can we thank God for that so far? God is good to us. 
And uh, we, we honor him and we thank him for what he's doing in, in the church. And as we keep praying towards the goal, this takes everybody. And I'm going to ask everybody to pray about doing your part. As, as, uh, as I was uh, in the foyer in between services, one, one of our young families grabbed me and just bawling their eyes out said, listen, I just saw God answered my prayer this week, and I now have the gift that I've been praying for for God to give to the birthday gift to Jesus. And I mean, this person was broken and humiliated, uh, humbled by the, by the hand of God, just could not believe that God would provide for this person. So I, I want to I encourage you. Uh, God is moving. He's doing great things. Pray about your part. Uh, 90,000, maybe, maybe it'll take all kind of gifts, small, large, everything in between. I'm going to ask you to pray. What would God have you to do? And as we do, God provides. And so we just keep watching God and say, all right, God, I'd like to help those missionaries in Ecuador. I'd like to help the people in Panama. I'd like to help the people in Haiti. And you just start to pray towards that. Take this with your children and pray over it with your children. I know one man in our church, he takes this list and he prays over it with his family all year long. So the missionaries are not forgotten. So I'm going to invite you to pray over that. Ask God to provide, and as he does, put him at the top of your giving list. Make him number one and watch what he will do. And by the way, folks, this is over and above our operating budget of the church. This is over and above our tithes and offerings. Everything that comes in that is marked birthday gift to Jesus goes directly to the projects that you see on the list. Can we thank God for that? What a wonderful God that we serve. This time I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. And uh, as they come uh, and we respond to the Lord this morning, if you're here as our guest, feel free to let the the plate pass you by. This is for those that have taken the step of faith of giving. And as you take that next step of faith and you realize that, wow, everything I have belongs to God. So as I give, I'm really just trusting God because he's the one who's given it. And uh, this is a sign of spiritual growth. When we, when we set goals like this and God provides, we just, it really is. It's the growth of God in our lives. So this is a spiritual work more than it is a financial work. Let's come to God and ask God to do what only he can do. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you and we give you great praise, Lord. You are worthy to be praised. I thank you for John and Bianca, Lord. Thank you that, that, uh, that they stepped up to the plate. You got a hold of his life as a 17-year-old man, young man in the church here, Lord. Uh, You lit a fire that hasn't stopped burning. He's out now running a ministry. You've asked him to lead a ministry for an entire nation. God, we are honored that you would just use our little church up on the hill who's faithful. We just keep coming week in and week out. And for years on end, we do not need the flesh. We need Jesus. And, God, you have given us the great joy. The great flash for us is you've given us the inheritance as the lost. You've given us these young men that grew up in a church that are spreading your gospel all over the church, all over the world this morning, Lord. And as we think of the many men that are out there, men and women that came to this church and are out serving you, Lord, we ask for the next generation, God, what you will do in this place. And we will give you the honor and the glory. God, be with your people as they give to you now. May, they re- may you receive the honor and glory as you deal with each one of our hearts today. In your name we pray. Amen.
we head into Thanksgiving week, I know it's going to be a great service here Wednesday night. I want to encourage you. Several young couples on the way out the door this morning said, hey, we're coming back. And I was like, this is so exciting what God is doing in the church. So I want to encourage you to be here Wednesday night. But today we're starting on a one-sermon series. Isn't that amazing? So that means you've got to be here till about 2 o'clock. Anyhow. Come to the table. I want you to catch this. Come to the table. Um, Next week, we're going to start our Christmas series. It's entitled The Way in a Manger. Today, we're talking about come to the... Come to the table, and you know what? Come to the table. It's uh, it's an invitation, really, to eat, uh, to to let's eat. I think that those are two of my favorite words in the English language. Let's eat. You know, when somebody calls you up and says, "Hey, let's go to eat," don't you just say, "Yeah, I'm ready." You know, it's like somebody wants you to go to breakfast, lunch, or dinner. You go and you eat. You enjoy it, um, because what happens is is more than meeting a hunger need. It is meeting a fellowship need. It's meeting a friendship need. It's meeting a connection need. Um, I'm the guy who can't go out to eat by himself. I just can't do it. You know, if I go down to Subway here, I, I'll take anybody with me. I'll, I'll buy them lunch. I just can't sit there and eat by myself. It's a, it's a, a point of connection. I remember whenever I went to Trinidad years ago, Chester Noel and I, we went down there and we scoped out the land for a missions trip, and uh, we were down there for about. Uh, about a week actually and that's all they did was they took us from place to place to place home to home to home with another place to eat and all they did was they wanted us to eat so we had goat we had, we had rice and we had more goat and more potato and more rice and that's all they gave us down there right uh, and i'll never forget my one friend he used to say that i had the belly of a bowl because they could give me all this hot spice and it wouldn't bother me was it was not about the spice it was not about the food it was not about the goat it was about engagement and so this morning we're talking about uh about engagement at the table come to the table uh you're going to invite somebody to your table it's your family your friends your relatives and uh, they feel special because they're a guest at your table one harvard study says this uh said uh said that 72 percent of the kids who ate dinner. So people that ate dinner um, regularly with their family, who had regular meals together, 72% were less likely to experience depression, struggle with self-esteem, develop eating disorders, or use illegal drugs than those who did not. Uh, this, this is a moment of connection. Uh, I was with somebody this week, and they told me that every Sunday they still invite all their family over, and they have a big meal every Sunday. Like what I'm going to do on Thanksgiving, they do every Sunday. They get people together, and it's about coming to the table. So it's good news this morning whenever Jesus invites you to his table. And so that's the invitation this morning is Jesus is saying, come to the table. He wants you to come to his table. Look at Psalm 23, verse 5. You have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. I believe we have that on the screen. You have prepared a table before, uh, before me in the presence of my enemies. And so as you look throughout the Scripture, you see this word table comes up a lot. Uh, Jesus ate at the table of sinners. Um, and, he, and, 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 and he has, here in, in, in Psalms, he says that he has prepared a table for us. So there's a table, and I love it. He says, he anoints my head with oil, my cup overflows. I want you to think about what is, said, what is at the table. At God's banquet, 
What is sitting on the table? Like, like there's a cup on the table and it overflows with love. It overflows with kindness. It overflows with forgiveness. It overflows with, uh, with his joy, the, uh, the things that only he can give. And it is this overflowing cup. So as we live our life, he's invited us to his table and his presence overflows. And now think about that. In the presence of my enemies. God says he's protecting. And think about a sheep here. He's in the 23rd Psalm. is the good shepherd, right? He, as he's feeding his sheep while the wolves are looking on. That's what God does for us. He has prepared a table in the presence of your enemies. And it is called the connection with God. And so when things are good or things are bad, God has got the table for you. He's prepared it for you. And his cup runs over the the cup that he's given you it's just overflowing with his blessings and so as you celebrate thanksgiving this week you're going to stop and you're going to pause and you're going to thank god for the overflowing for the abundance of the blessings of god wednesday night we're just going to fill this place with the blessings and we're just going to let that cup keep flowing over and over and over the abundance the blessings of god because that is who our god is he is such a good God. He is so much worthy of all of our praise. However, I want you to think this morning as when you think about the invitation, come to the table. That invitation is for all. That invitation is for those that don't know Jesus. Like you haven't, you haven't tasted, the, the scripture says to taste and to see how good God is. Like you haven't tasted of him yet. You don't know how good he is. The invitation is for you to come to, come to the table today. The invitation is for those that feel like you don't fit in. God says everybody fits in at my table. I'm the one who's doing the inviting. Um, it's an invitation for those who, who maybe they've known about Jesus, but they've walked away from Jesus for some time. I get to talk to people all the time in our community tell me, well, you know what, it's been so long, and, and, and you know what, I'd like to come back one of these days. And I say, come on home, because that's what the table is. It's a place to come home. And any time somebody that's been away for a number of, uh, number of months to a number of years and sometimes a number of decades, they'll walk into our church and they'll say, I have a memory when I was a kid here. And I say, welcome home, because there's no place like home. I think Dorothy had it right in The Wizard of Oz, didn't she? There's no place like home. There's no place like home. And may I say this this morning, there's no place like a seat at the table. There's no place like a seat at the king's table. And so, <clears throat> so I want to I take us this morning over to Luke chapter 14. Jesus is talking and he's using a parable a parable is an earthly story that everybody can understand and he gives a heavenly meaning to it so as he's teaching this all these jewish people he's teaching something that was in the jewish culture these people could understand it they could they could connect with it they got it whenever he's talked about this now he told a parable verse seven now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how that they chose the places of honor saying to them When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. Uh, It sounds like good social advice, doesn't it? Whenever you get invited to a banquet, don't go to the head table. (laughs) Isn't that kind of awkward? Did Did you ever get in the wrong spot? Like, do you ever go to a wedding and you end up sitting at like this table and it's like, oh, I don't belong there. I'm supposed to be at table 40. 
and I was at table four. <laughs> like, how did that happen, you know? I, I, I go sometimes, I, I went down uh, a while back here, and uh, I was praying at a, a veterans event. It was a luncheon, and they had a head table, and, and there were like two heroes, and they put me in between them, and I'm like, I don't belong up here. Like, I'm just a pastor. I'm no hero. I, I need to be back there serving the corn. Let, 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 let me help in the, back of the, in the back of the room. And so I remember just being uncomfortable there. Um, and, and it's just like so, so weird in those moments because it's not where you truly belong. Even though they said I did, I, I didn't really feel that. And, and so, so here's what happens here. Um, a man asked last night after I shared that, he said, you know what? Somebody invited him to a Christmas party once. It was held at a hotel ballroom. And he went up, and he went into this hotel ballroom, and, and he's around, and he's eating, and he's not really recognizing too many people. And he sits down, and all of a sudden they go, yeah, isn't that sad to hear about George? And he goes, he was at a wake instead of, the, instead of the party. He went to the wrong place. He said, but I enjoyed the meal, okay? <laughs> you see, that's what happens. And so it looks like he's teaching some social grace here. But he's teaching a little bit more than social grace. You're going to see it here in just a moment. He says, but when you are invited, verse 10, when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So go sit in the back of the room. Don't, don't think of yourself too highly. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. In other words, come closer. This isn't where you belong. Come sit closer to me. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Folks, Jesus gave one of the greatest principles of leadership, of family relationships, of life right there. Like if you humble yourself, oh, look, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. It's all over the, all over the Bible. Pride comes before a fall. Exalt yourself and you will fall. But he says humble yourself, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He's giving the principle that the way up is down. And so the, the, way that, the way that you become a great leader, the way that you become a leader of your family, the way that you have great relationships is by humbling yourself. And so, so he's given this, and he, he gives it in the context of this banquet. And in and, and just a few moments, you're going to see that it's a little bit more than social grace. He's given you something big to do. And it's talking about kingdom. Remember, a parable is telling you about heaven. So he's, he's learning a heavenly story here. Verse 15, when, uh, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to them, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So, blessed is everyone who eats at the table of God, right? Verse 16, but Jesus says to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Now, check this out. I don't know what your view of heaven is, but I want you to understand Jesus' view of heaven. It was a party. It was a banquet. It is going to be the place where you connect with God, and it's not some place where you're riding on a cloud with a harp. Okay? Can I hear an amen out there? Okay? At least the men are saying amen, right? I don't know. The women like clouds. But listen, I don't want no gray. I can't see color here. I don't want gray the rest of my eternity, right? This is not like Pittsburgh clouds, guys. This is you are in a party in the presence of God. And you look, when did Jesus perform his first miracle? It was at a party. It was an inaugural. And what do we see? What is the purpose for that? God took care of the problem. Jesus takes care of the problem at the party. God has come to take care of the problem in your life. 
the problem that is stopping you from eternal party with God. So God has given us this eternal party that he wants us to be a part of. And life here on earth, the worship that we had this morning, that is but an hors d'oeuvre. That is just the beginning of what it will be like in eternity. Uh, Verse 17, at the time for the banquet, at the time for the party, he sent his servants to say, those who have been invited, come, for everything is now ready. So you see in those days they would have two-part invitation. You would go out and you would invite everybody. That's the first part. And you would say it's coming up in a week or two. And they would let everybody know, kind of like we would do a save the date. But you would reply and you would say yes. And so they went out and, and he had all these yeses. All these people said yes that they would come. And then they would come out, and they would come back for round two of the invite. They would say, okay, the food is ready. It's happening tonight. And so you would know that, hey, on this day, that this was when the the banquet would be, and they would tell you when the food was ready, and you would come on out. So they sent out the first wave of save the date type of thing, and then he's going out for the second round. Look here, verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field. And I must go out and see it. Please let me be excused. I I want you to think about that. He he says, I bought a field. In in ancient culture, buying land was a pretty big deal, I would say, as it is today. Like if you knew you were buying some land, it would be costly. You would be putting a high investment in it. And you would go out and you would make all those arrangements. You wouldn't be going to check it out in the evening. The banquets were typically held in the evening. And so this was an excuse. And he says, listen, I've bought land. And, and, and listen, it, it's just dirt. It's not going to change. It's not going anywhere. He could have looked at it the next day. You've already brought it. So, so the transaction's already been made. But he wanted to go and inspect it. And he says, please let me off the hook. So he said, yes. Now he says no on the second part of the invitation. Uh, Luke fourteen nineteen. another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I go to examine them. Please Excuse me. Um, I, I've bought five yoke of oxen, so that would be ten ox. Uh, he, as they put the two ox together, it would be a yoke that held them together, and they would go and they would use them to plow the fields, and it would be a major investment. Uh, one yoke, two ox, was about a half year's salary. So you don't just all of a sudden say, I'm going to go buy ten ox. I'm going to go buy five yoke of oxen and uh, put out two and a half years of salary. And, uh, and not know that you couldn't have made it to the banquet. Um, he was already on his way to the farm when the servant came. He, he had blown this dinner off. It's like buying a car today, isn't it? Did you ever go buy a car without test driving it? Anybody buy a car online? You know, did you ever buy a car on, on the Internet? What kind did you buy? I don't know. I just bought a car. I don't think you do that. I think you know what you're getting and you look at it. And so this was a lame excuse is what was happening. And then verse 20, check this one out. And another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. (laughs) And I think that was the best excuse, don't you? (laughs) How many times have we said, my wife won't let me, right? Uh, And he says, listen, since you gave me that invitation, I said yes, but now I'm a a newlywed and, and I can't go. Listen, newlyweds always love to go to free meals. Okay, I want to tell you why. Because when you're newlywed, you you newly bank account too. Okay, and it's like you you you're just like man, I'm going to go. And like his yeah, his newlywed wife didn't want to dress up and go to a free dinner, right? Um, no, it, it was like he's he's sidestepping it. 
And so there's, there's so much there. When, when a newlywed's young and they're, they're, they're just living on love, and it doesn't fill the belly, it's just living on love, they, they, begin, to, they begin to live on Eidos. Uh, Cheetos, Doritos, all those Eidos, and that's how they live. This was a major excuse, guys. It was a major excuse. He says, listen, I, I don't want it anymore. They initially said yes, and now they say no. He went from, he went from yes to no. Uh, the, the, the excuses were all lame is what was happening. So, so God's given them. He says, listen, all these people were invited to the banquet, and now they came up with three lame excuses. And then look what he says here, verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Now in the culture of that day, you wouldn't go out and invite the poor to your big banquet that everybody said no to. Uh, you would not go out and, and, and first of all, you wouldn't, you wouldn't tell the you wouldn't tell them that you're not coming. You would have showed up. If you said yes, you would have shown up. Number two, you would not go out and you would not invite the, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame because it was not a sign of your success. Verse, 14, uh, verse 22, and the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done. So he says, Listen, we went out and we did that, and there's still room. We went out, we brought the poor, the blind, the crippled. Uh, and the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. He says, I want you to go out, servants, I want you to go out and compel people and go to the highways and the hedges. And what he was saying now is go to the outcast. Because in that culture, the outcast, when you said highways and hedges, that was the fringe. He says, go out, these people... Who were, who, were, who were saying yes, have said no. The, the, the master gets angry and says, go out and get the, get the reprobate. Get the person who is least likely to come. Get the misfit. Get the moral reprobate. Get the ex-cons. Get those who were not even allowed in a polite society. Get those people who were, uh, were cast out. He says, I want you to go get them and bring them to my party. Isn't it interesting? Go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. You know what this parable is? It's a, it's a summary of what happened Jesus came to the Jewish people that were very religious, and they said no to Jesus. They said yes to religion. Their, their first initial, yes, we are the people of God. So they came to him, and so they're, they're really religious people, and they said yes to, to God in general. But whenever it came time to give their life to Jesus, they said no. They were not about to become a follower of him. So they were religious but yet without a relationship with God. And this morning, I'm going to give you three reasons why people sometimes miss the kingdom of God. Some people miss the kingdom of God because they fail to recognize the importance of the invitation. They fail to recognize how important it is. Like, here you are. You have been invited to this banquet. You've invited, uh, and you've said, yes, 
But you think that you're, you're, you can do something better, right? You think that you can do more than following Jesus. Most people don't realize the invitation, how important it is to come to Jesus. Uh, Prince William and Kate Middleton were married in 2011. And here's a copy of the invitation that went out. And we'll put that invitation up. Uh, it says, the Lord Chamberlain is commanded by the Queen to invite, and then you, they filled in the name, to the marriage of His Royal Highness Prince William of Wales with Miss Catherine Middleton at Westminster Abbey on Friday the 29th, April 2011 at 11 a.m. Now check that out. If I'm getting an invitation like that, Lord Chamberlain has been commanded by the Queen to invite Ken Barner to Buckingham Palace. Guess where I'm going? Non-stop out of Pittsburgh. And I'm, I'm going to get me the finest suit I've ever seen. I'm even going to learn how to drink tea with that little finger going out there thing, you know. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the man at Buckingham, okay. Why? Because the Lord Chamberlain is commanded by the Queen. And listen, that is what the story is telling us this morning. Come to the table. You know what, you know what Jesus was saying? Jesus. The Lord Jesus has been commanded by the sovereign God of the universe to invite you to his table. The Lord Jesus has been commanded by the sovereign God to invite you. Like, like that's the invitation this morning. And, 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 and I think many times we just, we just, well, you know, I got something else going on. I was kind of bored by it all. And is it even really true? I heard one story about an atheist. Atheist teacher, he got up and he asked his asked his uh, class. He asked the class if they would, uh, if they, you know, talking to a bunch of Christians, and you know, he says, "Have you uh, have you read the Bible through?" And none of them read. Said, you know, not too many raised their hands. Then he said, "Well, how many of you read uh, all the Harry Potter books?" Oh, they all went up. They all read the Harry Potter books. And he says, "Well, I doubted that you really believe in God because you wouldn't even read His Word." And you see what's happened here. It's, there's something serious here. And, and it's like, wow, we, get, we can get so easily distracted because of, uh, because of something else that's lesser value. We live in a world today where it's not so much about atheists that are out there. It's people that are apatheists. They're just apathy. I don't know if you exist or not. I don't really care. And I want you to think this morning because this God is real. Like, I'm not, I'm not giving my life for something that's a lie. The, the, the disciples, they were martyred. They saw a resurrected Jesus from the dead, and they are not giving their life for a lie. And so that's how serious this is, folks. And so God's invitation to you and to me today is come to the table. Come to my table where I offer love, forgiveness and healing oh contrast your table with god's table like the table that you can offer pain uh, regret anger all these things are what we produce and he says come to the table the lord jesus has been commanded by the sovereign god of the universe to invite you to his table um the second thing this morning is this, is that some people fail to miss the party because they feel unworthy. They feel unworthy. I'll never forget, just a few weeks ago, um, Ray Beckinger was baptized in the church. 
And as we were preparing for his testimony, he told me, he said, I never thought I was worthy. I had heard the message, and I came several weeks in a row, and I didn't realize that, like, God forgave me of my sin. And all he could, all he could understand was that his sin was so ugly, and his sin separated from God. His sin caused so much problem in his own life and his own family. Things were destroyed and broken, and he was broken, and he was just like, I'm so broken. I don't even know that I am worthy of that. And he told me that all of his life he struggled with those type of things. And then he came to Christ and God changed it. Folks, we have, we, have a, we have an issue in our world. We feel like we have to earn this. It's just who we are. We, we feel that we must earn everything that we get. And, uh, and so God's economy is different. He says you can't earn salvation. You cannot earn a seat at my table. You can only receive it. You can only respond to the goodness of God. You know, it's like whenever I was younger. This potluck dinners you used to go to, and, uh, and we had the potluck dinners, and you're supposed to bring something, but us single guys, we never brought anything, and, and I think it was because people were afraid of what we would make. Um, but you, you, you felt like you shouldn't go if you didn't if you didn't take anything, and you felt like you shouldn't eat if you didn't bring anything. Well, I got over that pretty quickly, and I, I would go to all those things. And then one of the big changes that happened in my life was I got married. And then as a single guy, I was just used to showing up without anything. Then all of a sudden, my wife says, uh, you, we can't go today. We're, we didn't bring anything. I'm like, what do you mean? It's just a potluck dinner. She's like, you, it, potluck means that everybody's working together, and we can't eat unless we bring something. I'm like, okay, that means a giant eagle rotisserie chicken on the way. That's all that means, right? And, and so, so what happens is we have made such a work-based world that we lived in. And so God's economy is not works. As a matter of fact, he says that your goodness, the work that you can offer God, are as filthy rags. They, they are detestable. Like, like cleaning your house. We're cleaning windows. And you see that nasty, dirty grime. He says, listen, it's even worse than that. In the Greek, it's repulsive is what it is. And so he says, look, your rags are as Filthy, your riches, your good works are as filthy rags blah, in the face of God. So we got to realize that, that, that we are unworthy. We are unworthy uh, of because of our, our goodness does not make us worthy. It's his love that makes us worthy. And then this morning, the third thing is some people miss the party because they refuse to acknowledge that they are unworthy. So on one hand, some, some people... Uh, miss the party because that, because they think that they are not worthy. They don't, they don't feel that they're worthy. And then others miss it because they don't realize that they are unworthy. They need to acknowledge before God Almighty that they are unworthy. You know what? Here's what was happening. The religious people were saying yes to Jesus. They had religion figured out. They knew what they could manufacture. And today this is still true. Many people try to manufacture their religion before God. Like even in our church, it's easy for us to manufacture, well, I did this, and I did that, and look how good I am. And, and we start to build this little protection zone, right? Start to feel really good. But may I say this? That's religion. And then in the parable here, these people, they were religious, but they did not have a relationship. They said yes to religion. They said no to Jesus. This morning... The invitation is come to the table. 
Come to the table. Come to Jesus and eat and dine with him. Do you know that religion is the number one substitute for genuine faith? Would you read that with me? Religion is the number one substitute for genuine faith. Like, it's so easy to play religion. It's so easy to, uh, to know how to perform. And God says, listen, your performance don't mean anything. Your performance is not going to get you to heaven. It won't get you a seat at my table. You are going to miss it. And yet we can make ourselves feel good in this performance because somehow there's safety in this, in this shield. But God says, no, 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 no. I want you to come to the table. I want you to come to my table and I want you to eat of what I have given you. I want you to taste and see how good I am. I want you to know that you have eternal life. Uh, Religion is the number one substitute for genuine faith. And as we close this morning, I want to give that invitation to everyone in this building. Number one, will you come to the table? Will you come to the table? And number two, will you invite other people to the table? Like there are so many people that need to come to the table. So many people that need to come to Jesus and, and, and drink of what he's giving you. To have that cup that overflows. So invite other people to the table. I'm going to give you three, three things that we can do here coming up. Number one is our Christmas dessert theater. You know, in two weeks from now, that Christmas dessert theater is going to be rolling. It's uh, December 6th and 7th. I want to encourage you, invite your friends, invite your enemies, invite anybody. Like Jesus said, compel them to come in. Like when's the last time that we as the body of Christ have gone out and been compelling? Or have we said, well, you know, I go to church. You're having cookies afterwards. He says, be compelling. Like, like you're excited. Like this is a big deal. Compel them to come in. Why? Because this is where grace, they're going to find their life will be changed. Grace will be dispensed. I'm so thankful. We've had people up here every Sunday night since September practicing, memorizing lines. I popped in yesterday. This is going to be incredible. Listen, you will not be ashamed. Bring your friends. But take a step of faith and be like the servants in the story. Go into the highways and hedges and compel them. You know what? The people who are religious probably don't want to do it. Go to those people that you think are least likely to succeed. Go to the people that, like, like John Fowler. You know, when John Fowler was a teenager, he was not the guy who was like, hey, I can't wait to go to church. Go to the guy that is not the most likely person. And invite them, compel them to come in. Because, listen, that's where we are. We were not on the Jewish side of things. We were the, we were the blind, the crippled, the lame. And God says, listen, go after those people that have addictions. Go after those people that feel far away from God. Go after those people that are, that are off your radar. Go to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. So I want to invite you to compel the people to come in. Uh, church services coming up. We have a church, our Christmas series coming up the whole month of, of, of December. Next week, we're starting a series, The Way in the Manger. The Way. It, Jesus is the way. The Way in the Manger. I want to encourage you. We've got the next four weeks. Invite somebody. Bring them. Why? We're compelling them to come in. Come to the table. Uh, we have Christmas Eve. We'll have three services on Christmas Eve. I want to encourage you, invite your friends, invite your relatives, invite your enemies that they may know Jesus because that's how Jesus works. So this morning, as we close this service, 
I'm, I'm st- extending the invitation to you to come to the table. Maybe you say, Pastor Ken, I've not yet come to the table myself. Uh, if I died today, I'm not sure of eternity. I want to help you make sure that you know how to get to heaven when you die. We're, we're going to sing here in just a minute. We're going to sing a song, Come to the Altar. And I want to invite you to the altar this morning. I want to invite you to, to come and kneel and pray at the altar. Like Christians, if you've been following God for a long time, I want to invite you to come and kneel. Take your three friends and, and kneel at the altar and lay them up before God. God, how will you move? What will you do in their lives? Maybe, maybe you've been away from God for some time. I want to invite you today to come to the altar. Maybe today you say, I've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. You've never opened your heart to Him. And you're ready. You're ready to come to the table. This was the invitation. It was compelling. The Lord Jesus Christ has been commanded by the sovereign God of the universe to invite you to His table. What excuses might you give Him today? Let's all stand together. And in just a moment, we're going to sing that song. I'm going to be down here in the middle. I'm going to invite you to come. If you say, Pastor Ken, I want to get, I, I want to come to the table. You meet me here, I'm going to have one of our pastors share with you how to have Jesus, how to come to the table this morning. Like, maybe you've been coming for months or years, or today's your first day. I want to invite you. I'll be here. I want to invite believers, come and get on your knees before God. And let's humble ourselves in the presence of an almighty. What excuse might you have today for coming to the table? I don't want anybody to look at me. I was invited by the sovereign God of the universe, and I don't want anybody to look at me. I don't, I don't, what will people say? What will I have to give up? Excuses are heavy. But today, he's greater. Father God, be with your people, Lord, as we close this service today. And we invite people to come to that altar, Lord. We're inviting them not to a physical place, but to the spiritual place of your table. So, God, as we challenge our church today, Lord, I pray for those in this room that need to trust you. Lord, I pray that they'll make their way down. Lord, put your Holy Spirit upon them, and would you move them to the the point today where they will come and say, I need a Savior. We will share with them how to personally have Jesus as their Savior. God, do your work. God, move amongst the believers in this place. God, make us to be people that are compelling people to come to Jesus, Lord. Like, like not just, oh, this is a slick thing and you'll feel good about it. Lord, compel us. We need your passion to go out and be like those servants in that story. God, as we invite your people to come to the altar, would you do a work? You like to trust Christ, come down. We'll have somebody share with you personally. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling.